um, and I hope all of you here uh, have had lunch already. So I'm giving you a big disclaimer that I'm going to show you very graphic images uh, of food. And if you haven't had lunch, then please don't feel bad by leaving and getting some food. So yeah, avocados. I love avocados. They're simultaneously the most overrated and underrated fruit. And yes, they're a fruit, not a vegetable. Underrated? Well, you can put them on everything. Sandwiches, salads. Even the texture of an avocado makes you able to make awesome shapes with it. Hamburgers, you can make unhealthy food slightly healthier. You can make ice cream. I didn't know that, but do you think avocado ice cream would be tasty? Yeah? Has anyone ever had avocado ice cream? Yeah? How is it? Okay. You can even make these avocado rose shapes, which is kind of cool. If you Instagram, if you um, search for uh, avocado rose, you'll see a whole subculture that I never knew existed. You can even store really beautiful objects inside an avocado that you wouldn't expect. And it always tops the number one spot of all the healthy snacks lists. I could go on and share with you more of the virtues of the avocado, but my man, uh, <laughs> this guy from Jamaica, does a much better job. Here we go. I'm just full giant, one of nature's snacks. The humble avocado. Full of nutrients, full of flavor, more potassium than a banana. Good for your heart. Look at that. Man of unsaturated fat. In a Jamaica, they call it pear. A lot of good things are in there. Good for in here, good for down there, good for your skin, good for your hair. Vitamin C, vitamin E, folic for a good pregnancy. Take it from me, my name Maccabee gives thanks for the avocado tree. The man makes a point. So what about the other side of the avocado? Well, one of the things is it needs a lot of water. And when it's grown in uh, Mexico, this can be a problem when there's a drought. And if it's from Mexico and it needs to be brought all the way here, what's the carbon footprint? Right? And then we package it per piece or double. <clears throat> then the prices go up. And this one I think is funny. Is, um, Hipsters buy a lot of um, avocado sandwiches, right? And apparently they're to blame for the housing crisis because they're not spending their money or they're saving money to buy a house, but they're spending it on avocado sandwiches and thus there's a housing crisis. Okay, I don't think I agree with that one. This one I do agree with. The, um, the window, avocados have like a window, right? When they're ripe. And then you do that sort of thing in the supermarket where you squeezy, squeezy. Squeezy. I just do it because everybody does it. I don't actually know what the trick is. Like, when is it actually ripe? And so you miss the window and it's brown. Like, it's like a pear, right? A pear also has 15 minutes of window and then it's hard, hard, hard until your thumb disappears into it. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of pears, although um, also very healthy. Um, yeah, so the avocado, and it, and it came from. Um, Mesoamerica, which is basically Mexico, south part of Mexico, all the way down to the north part of South America. And, um, and it almost went extinct. And the reason um, there's such a big pit is that it's one of the oldest, 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 oldest fruits, right? 
and it was saved by the ancestors of what later became the Aztecs. So yeah, avocados simultaneously underrated and overrated. And public relations has the exact same. It's simultaneously overrated and underrated. Overrated, or actually underrated. We just saw a great example with the, the, this, the video of the EU and voting. Brilliant example of um, using public relations in the right way to actually uh, instigate some kind of action that you want. Um, but there's other examples, maybe slightly more trivial. Who thought that an egg could be a world star, right? Or this, uh, um, th this, this point made by Banksy of destroying something that was just sold. Or what Nike's doing with um, really um, helping uh, women do crazier, or stuff that would be impossible, saying, oh, who cares? Let's show them what crazy is. Sending a Tesla into space. Okay, that's sort of my number one of awesome public relations, right? Or jumping out of space with nothing but a parachute, getting celebrities to throw ice buckets on them for a good cause. And I'm sure if I asked you, you'd know your own example of how public relations is underrated and is really great. On the other side, I think you all ha also have many examples. You know, we all know Uber and all the promises that they've given us, and in the end, there's no change, it's just crickets. Until they fired Travis, of course. Um, United, same thing, we all know that, that doctor that was dragged out forcibly from the, uh, the plane in 2017, and actually since then there's been nothing but a more string of these bad examples. The saddest one is this dog that was put in the overhead bin and, and died just last year. And it looks like what these companies care more about is their reputation than actually fixing the, the core problem. Another bad example is, uh, yeah, just misinformation. Apparently it works. Lying works? So is that then the flip side of PR? Is that what we want? Hmm. So yeah, it's overrated and underrated. So just like we went back and figured out, okay, where does the avocado come from? In the early 1900s, the definition of public relations was, was created. <clears throat> and what I want to do is go back to that definition. I love watching TED Talks, and one of my favorite all-time TED Talks is this guy from uh, Benjamin Sander. Has anyone not seen it? Maybe that's a better question. Who has seen it? Who has not seen this? Okay, please go and watch it. So he walks up on stage, and he knows that in the audience this side, there, there's about 1,600 people, 45 people really like classical music. And then there's 45 that think they're tone deaf, and then there's people in the middle that don't really care that much, right? And his mission is to walk off the stage where everybody understands classical music. And he thinks everyone loves it, they just don't know it yet. So, without trying to compare myself to this awesome guy, it is my mission to try and get everyone here understanding what public relations is. So here's an image of me trying to look like that. So we'll, we'll see. I'll ask you guys later if you got it. So yeah, the definition of public relations from the 1900s, it's a program of action to earn the public's understanding 
and acceptance. What organization does not want this? I saw a hand go up. I have a, I have a laser. Anyway, um, I like lasers. Don't you like lasers? What does a program of action mean? I think this one is one of the most interesting because it's really about all the things that a company does to all the people involved in the company. And it's not about what they communicate. It's about the actions that a company does. Secondly, to earn it. To earn it means it's not just something you do once. It's consistently. It's a consistent output of the program of action. Thirdly, the publics. I think this is probably the most interesting part of the uh, uh, definition, where it's about all your stakeholders and how you get to them. The understanding bit is key because it's about the logical rigor of communicating correctly. And lastly, of course, what you're explaining needs to resonate. So first, let's look at the program of action. What we've seen is that companies are, are doing a lot of thought leadership stuff. And, um, but it's really changing to it being much more about action. And uh, we're seeing that it's, it's going from thought leadership to action leadership. And this, of course, is nothing new. But I think the level of what brands are comfortable with is deepening more and more. <clears throat> Secondly, to earn. So this is consistently over time actually really driving uh, the message across. I think Nike does a great job where they actually took a stance before Kaepernick, um, the, the, um, it was actually accepted what was going on there. They really took a risk. They took another risk with the crazy commercial. And now they're taking another risk right now, just a few days ago, that they're backing this doping doctor um, that's been supplying, probably been supplying uh, doping to, to uh, world-class athletes, which is interesting that they're taking that stance, right? They're daring to somehow take the risk Ben & Jerry is another good example. This is from a few years ago. They're daring to take the risk. And uh, um, everybody knows this example, right? A few years ago, this wouldn't have been uh, uh, possible for a company to tie themselves to some kind of political cause. And I think we're seeing the same thing in Hong Kong. Or even brands now standing up to um, you know, the, the oppressive politics of certain world leaders. And actually, in Hong Kong, the, the Chinese government asked seven different PR agencies to represent them in Hong Kong, and they all said no. So it's becoming common for brands to really care about something and to take a stand and feel comfortable with the risk involved. I like this example, a customer of ours, Bucks, where their mission is not just about um, you know, being the best and, and coolest uh, fintech company and making it accessible for their own customers, their mission is to make the whole category of fintech more understandable and accessible. So it's no longer just about their own competitive advantage. It's about making the whole category interesting. So the next one, the public. Now, this one, I think, is probably the most interesting one of the whole definition because we often think, OK, cool, the public, that's the direct to the cu customer. And, but it's much broader than that. It's your employees. It's all the different stakeholders involved. And I think a, a good example of this is Red Bull, where they have their, a clear aspirational target, the extreme sports people. And they have this volume target of 
all of us that get tired and need an energy boost. But they have another uh, target that they're also going after, which is uh, all the communicators in the media. And for that, they've created a very specific uh, tool for the, all of the media to be able to download everything Red Bull, which, of course, is the Red Bull uh, uh, content pool, which is a great tool if you're ever looking for anything Red Bull. And we're seeing other brands do this as well. We've created a similar system for HEMA <coughs> that allows all the media to get all the products that HEMA needs uh, to write about. Now, we work a lot with uh, uh, PR agencies and, and um, uh, communicators. One of the things we were wondering, OK, how do all these people do their job? And for us, it was uh, uh, very important to figure out, hey, how can we uh, help these uh, communicators and, and PR people, whether they're in-house or agencies, do their job better? And so we decided, let's create this online magazine, which is for the, that community, but also by the community. And um, we're only a small company, so to set something like this up, it's taking a large chunk of our budget to actually do this. But we care about it, thus we've, we've gone out and done that because we know that our audience cares about it. Now, a natural extension of those different audiences is, of course, the channels, how you get to them. So, <coughs> sorry. A good example of this is Von Moff. Von Moff is brilliant in the way they communicate uh, to their customer. And the last two years, we've created together with them a newsroom. And the level of um, requests that they get from the press and the number of times that we mentioned by, by the press has gone up a lot. They're more findable. And, um, and this is all because there's a dedicated channel for, that, for the media to be able to reach them uh, and clearly see who they should be uh, contacting. Um, back to our online magazine, Unfold, we realized, cool, we're doing something online with this magazine, but let's take it offline. So there's been some events we've sponsored for that community and, uh, and also ha uh, create boat rides. Who doesn't like uh, a beer in the sun and uh, on, the, on the Amsterdamse Eye? And uh, it's been another great way of finding multiple channels and seeing where the people um, want to get involved with, with what you're trying to do. For us, this has been interesting. It's to see that uh, um, many of these different uh, methods are, about from, are shifting from it being about the company to seeing the audience. It's about understanding the empathy to really get into the, uh, the skin of your customers. I'm trying to cough, but <coughs> there we go. So. Um, yeah, I, I love this quote because uh, we often look at PR and saying, hey, oh yeah, cool, we all know this. And it is age old and all these channels are changing and, and it's, it's so much open doors. And um, I, think, I think this is, 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 is such a key thing to understand that channels shift so rapidly. I think one of the, the key things we're seeing now is how uh, the channel of social media is sort of declining. It's like a race to the bottom, uh, just like digital marketing channels are. And it's this idea, if you're doing everything rational and everyone's doing it rational, you're going to end up doing exactly the same. So lastly, it's understanding and acceptance. And I think I'd like to just um, close off before I finish. Uh, this is where, where we fit in, is to be able to provide the software and the news websites very specifically for part of the channel and part of the audience that you cater to. And you're going to be missing out if you don't have exactly that type of news websites for the channels and the, and the audience that you're catering for. 
So just to be clear, we're not a digital asset management tool. That's what Binder does. Um, we provide everything uh, that uh, the media sees and that they really love working with your brand. Um, I touched on Unfold. This is something for the community and by the community. So we'd really like to invite you. Also, if you have contributions, if you have something to share, please come and talk with us. Um, we have our. There we go. Um, our game out here will be out there later. And please come in and chat. We'd love to uh, um, hear what your thoughts are on this. So to conclude, the avocado needs the right type of irrigation. Um, it needs to be packaged correctly. Uh, it's price sensitive and also timely. Last year, I was, I was here and I made the following quote that it's you guys, the marketers, that will be the change agents that will help really understand how brands impact society. And I'd like to take this one step further where we say that it's the, the brands that understand how they um, earn the acceptance and understanding of their public that will thrive. And I think that's really up to the marketeers. So thank you very much. Thank you, Stefan. I'm going to keep you on stage. You may. Yes, because it's question time. This is the first time we're going to ask the audience if they've got any questions about PR and the new brand channels. Nobody? Well, I might have a question then. Because um, when you showed us the avocado, yeah. <laughs> that was quite a nice um, way of comparing it to uh, PR. But then I saw the statement of the IBM guy, yeah. which is completely against you know, everything that you are saying about PR. But the way that I was thought about PR, they basically told me that it's all about the way that you tell your story. Would you agree with that? Mm, the way you tell your story is so broad that that could also mean anything. So I'm not quite sure what you mean. You mean that the, the, the method of how you portray the story is more important than the content? Yeah. No, of no. course not. You don't agree? No. Why not? Tell us about it. Uh, it's the complete package, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's also not just about telling. It's about what are you actually saying, and is that the truth? Is it real? Is that what your company is doing? So PR is also about authenticity, then? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in music, when we do PR, it's all about creating a really nice bio, making sure that the visuals match the artist, and hopefully tell that real story through you know, media and traditional media, newspapers, yeah. radio, TV, stuff like that. And now, social media sort of blew up the game for us, because artists can tell their stories directly. Yeah. And that also runs a risk. Because what if they tell a story that doesn't match what we think they should be telling? How do you go, how do you manage all these risks in PR? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question because there, there is a paradox of managing risks and being aware of, you know, if you show this sort of maybe darker side of you, that that's going to offend some people. And some people play to that very well, right? Hey, I'm just going to be myself all yeah. the time. And sometimes it's useful to be a little bit more filtered what you show or what you don't show. Um, but I think everyone will agree with me that most of the time it's just be yourself, right? But also be polite, you know, don't just be rude. I think 
you know, if you find the right balance there and you're just you, you're going to do fine. So. Okay, so just be you. Yeah, but it's such an open door. But <laughs> I know. for artists, I would totally say this. For brands, I think it's much more complicated because you have this, uh, this huge uh, array of different people and it's, it's very important that brands clearly define sort of what their brand values are and what they stand for and what they don't stand for and that they can identify behavior that fits or doesn't fit. And um, I, I think for artists, try and give them brand guidelines. I don't think well, that... Well, they still have <laughs> values. So, you know, maybe that's well, yeah, the thing okay. that they this could have in common. This is debatable, but let's agree <laughs> on that one. Everybody has core values. So yeah. the brands, they basically show their values and maybe the artists show their core values. So yeah. is that the way to keep it real? You know, by just focusing on the values, communicating those? Yeah, I think there's two sides to it. Yes, it's definitely defining the values and understanding them, but I think it's also defining the sort of norms that you want from, from the behavior of your uh, company at the same time. So the values are sort of more the higher principles, but once you define the type of behavior you want, it becomes much easier to identify whether it fits or not. And then everybody can sort of steer what you, what you want. But this is much more corporate culture or sort of the culture of a, of a, of a brand. Yeah. And is that the way to connect to the audience through the values? Because that's a way to maybe create engagement. Because if I'm going to be talking about female empowerment and all the ladies in the house are really into female empowerment, that sort of connects us to each other. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's an element of understanding who you are and yeah. what role you as a brand play in people's lives. And if you need to go out on this journey to see how you fit in those lives. And, and you know, if you don't, then obviously you're doing something wrong and maybe that's not your audience. Um, but I think that as a brand, understanding who you are valuable for is fundamental in that. Yes. So do the work first. Do the research first. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. No more questions. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Give him an applause, Stefan.